It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I welcome you once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, never not committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I, Don Crawford Jr., the owner of KWM Radio, am virtually sitting with Dallas elder law attorney, the Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Of course, I don't think of myself as the. I've mm-hmm. been called a lot of words, but the is not one of them. Um, as I say, the Michael Cohen, that's nothing but a compliment. So. Uh, hopefully, you'll take it as nothing but a positive remark. I appreciate that. You're welcome. My pleasure. I appreciate you. I appreciate the free education we're going to get, like we do at those workshops that we'll be promoting, which the next one is Thursday, May the 27th at 1 o'clock. So please um, sign up for that now, and the next 25 minutes will demonstrate exactly why you should. Um, and you have a story about a an individual from Pennsylvania who decided to make some purchases online for estate planning services, and they are regretting the day they did that, it sounds like. I mean, this could be applicable for any state, so it's not, this is not, you know, you know, talking just about Pennsylvania sure. law or anything like that. Um, you know, a lot of times people buy different estate planning documents online. They, they think it's, you know, they get good legal advice or whatever, or they think it's, you know, the document's good in any state or that the document, there may be just one type of this particular type of document. In this case, the person wanted to save money, and he got a power of attorney online. So he bought a power of attorney over the Internet. It was cheap. And I guess a lot of people may be under the mistaken impression that maybe there's only one power of attorney that there's never any kind of options and that it should be just anybody just needs to get a power of attorney. Uh, of course, I guess we should define what a power of attorney is for those who don't know. A power of attorney, a when I say power of attorney, there's different types of powers of attorney. Uh, usually you think of a financial power of attorney dealing with your assets when I say power of attorney, but there's also medical powers of attorney. They could be general or they could be limited. They usually are durable, which means that they're good even during disability. Uh, in this case, the son saw probably, I'm, I'm guessing that mom had the beginnings of some sort of dementia. Uh, he bought the um, uh, power of attorney uh, while she still had enough mental capacity to act, and he just bought a form. Now, a lot of times, uh, but he didn't know what, it said exactly. He didn't know exactly what it meant. He didn't go to an attorney, just bought a cheap form. He acted immediately, started to act as an agent. Now, the problem was a couple of things. So in this case, uh, mom signed this power of attorney. Uh, by the way, uh, in, in the problem that arose from this is that 
there are two different times of when a power of attorney could be effective. And Texas has what's called a form, which get our form language, which says you could either have it effective immediately or spring upon disability. Now, his said spring upon disability, but mom wasn't disabled. Usually to determine when you can act, uh, when it springs upon disability, you usually have to have like a doctor uh, certify that the person can no longer, doesn't have the mental capacity to act, or perhaps you have a court order. Depends on the language uh, in the power of attorney. But generally like a doctor's letter or certification or perhaps two doctors. But um, springing upon disability is opposed to being effective immediately. Well, moving right along, what ended up happening was a mom had a house uh, and another son, there was several kids, I think there were six children in this, in this family. One of the sons, uh, not the one that was named as the agent, moved into mom's house. And in fact, had lived there for three years. But mom, uh, a few years later, uh, a few years after the power of attorney probably had been signed, went to move before the other son maybe had even uh, lived there, uh, moved in with the son who was taking, who was the name as the agent. He took care of mom. She trusted him. He was the agent. He acted as if the power of attorney was good. Now, a lot of times institutions, if you go to a bank and the bank uh, see, asks for a copy of the power of attorney before they will let you act many times, they'll look at the actual document. And if the document says it springs upon disability, then they'll need the doctor's letter. Or if you're selling stock or whatever the financial, if you're dealing with real estate, uh, you would probably need to have the authority. A title company would want to see that your the person uh, could act on that per, on the uh, principal's behalf. Uh, principal is the one who signs the power of attorney. The agent is the person who is named to act on your behalf under the power of attorney. Power of attorney is a document. You don't act as a power of attorney. You act as an agent. It used to be called act as attorney in fact, but in Texas we call it your agent. So the one who signs it's the principal. The one who receives the power is the agent. And then you say in the document what those powers might be. Okay, and I think well, the answer is obvious, Michael, but why does the bank do that? Why are they so concerned about getting that doctor's letter? Yeah, obviously they don't want liability. If there's no authority to act, then somebody if they started allowing somebody to act without going to the terms of the contract or the agreement, rather, uh, I say agreement, it's really the terms of the power of attorney. It wasn't an agreement. A lot of times uh, the agent doesn't sign the power of attorney, although you could have them sign something that's saying they have the authority to act and they're mm-hmm. agreeing to accept those responsibilities. But generally, a lot of times it's just the... Uh, principal signs the power of attorney, and so, you know, you have to go by the terms of what that person said that there were there's authority. If you allow somebody else to act when they didn't have the authority, then I think that there could be liability. Right. Why didn't you follow the terms of what I agree? So, uh, in this case, there was one son living in the home, and one son who took care of mom, who was named as the agent. Uh, but the agency did not was not supposed to be effective until there had been a letter saying that she lacked capacity because the power of attorney form that she signed 
said uh, only became effective upon disability. Now, a lot of people would think, oh, that's when I want it to be effective, only when I become disabled. But if you trust somebody, generally the answer is, not always, uh, generally the answer is if you trust somebody, it should be effective immediately, and then you could have it revoked if you no longer trusted them, assuming you had mental capacity to revoke it. Okay, now moving forward, mom declines in health mentally and has to go into a nursing home. The son who lived in the home decides that has mom sign a deed from her to him, Uh, not the agent or the power of attorney, but the one who lived in the home. Now, there was a a legitimate reason why people would do that in in Pennsylvania, uh, which would be different than perhaps Texas. Uh, You know, she applied for Medicaid. And one of the exceptions to Medicaid estate recovery, where the state has a right to make a claim against the home for reimbursement for benefits that have been advanced. So in other words, the government was helping pay for her care costs in the nursing home plus medications. So typically the largest asset that people own that doesn't count for Medicaid but is subject to estate recovery is their home. That's why we have talked on so many of our shows in Texas, we're one of the few states that allows a ladybird deed, which protects the home from Medicaid estate recovery, at least in Texas. But they don't have that in Pennsylvania. So to save the home, apparently what he did, although he said mom would have wanted it this way, was that the home was deeded from mom to the son who stayed at the home because under uh, federal law, Uh, One of the exceptions is if you stayed in the home, if a child stayed in the home with the parent and took care of them for at least two years to prevent institutionalization, then there could be a deed and it avoids Medicaid estate recovery. So that's what he tried to do. And actually, uh, at that time, uh, at least initially, Medicaid in Pennsylvania approved that transaction. All right. Now, what ended up happening? Well, the son who was named as the agent because of pressures from the other kids says, oh, okay, brother, you're going to have to, uh, I'm, I'm selling the house. So he sells the house to another family. But it turned out he, he sold the house, but he didn't know that his brother had mom deed the property to him himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mom deeded to the to the a child who was getting probably free rent <laughs> and didn't take care of mom, I might add, whereas the good child, the one who was taking care of things, who wanted just to use the money to take care of mom, acting under the agency uh, as he thought, tried to sell the property. But remember, there was no determination by a doctor that he had the ability to act because mm-hmm. he bought a, a form online, and he did mm-hmm. not discuss this with any legal counsel, apparently. Mm-hmm. And he admitted, he admitted he had no idea what was being signed. And he admitted he he had no knowledge of when it became effective. Anyway, so that gets into a lawsuit because he wanted to sell the property. The family who bought the property sued. They said, well, one second, you had this contract with us, and you didn't have the ability to sell, and we need we want that house. And the brother says, well, um, hey, brother, his name is Agent. You didn't have the authority to act because it springs upon disability and there's been no doctor's letter. 
So this just went to the Court of Appeals in Pennsylvania, Goodness. and the Court of Appeals made their decision. Good. I want to hold off on that decision, and uh, we can climax the program with that because that's very exciting. I'm fascinated by this story because you know how I feel about doing that kind of work online instead of going to an attorney. I mean, it's got, that's why God made attorneys for things just like this. Uh, I know it's Pennsylvania, but it could happen in any state in the country. Um, and the best way to prevent any kind of disaster like that is to attend Michael's next workshop, which is online, which is virtual, and which is on Thursday, May the 27th at 1 o'clock. It's a free estate planning essentials workshop where you can join from the comforts of your own home, sitting on your living room couch with your laptop or your desktop or even your cell phone, and be a part of that uh, workshop with Michael Cohen spearheading it on that day. And, Michael, tell them all about the workshop. We ask people what they want to know. It could be about powers of attorney that we're discussing here today. It could be about a will. You know, one of the most common things that people ask, not at the workshop, but looking at our website, uh, I was going over today uh, was how much should an executor be? Can they be paid? Right, <laughs> it could right. be anything. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be about Medicaid. Uh, you know, we've touched about Medicaid just a second ago, about Medicaid state recovery. And the home is usually a question that so many people ask about because usually it's their biggest asset uh, that you have. It may not be that you're well-to-do or anything like that, but you want to protect your home for your family. Uh, it could be that you want to protect your family from either predators or bad marriages or spouses remarrying or disability, you know, you never know what people are going to ask. It could be about potential new tax laws. It Mm -hmm. could be about retirement accounts. It could be about veterans benefits. We never know what people are going to ask. Uh, So uh, we ask people what you want to know. And either you'll ask the questions uh, during the workshop at any time. It's kind of a free-flowing type thing. It's a discussion. That's why we call it a, a workshop and not a seminar, although we will have a presentation. Uh, and uh, and even some people prefer not to be talk out loud, so they put it in the chat box. And if other people might not say anything at all and then just said, look, I'd like to have a free vision meeting with you. So if you have, go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give the opportunity to have a one-on-one meeting to discuss in private uh, whatever other questions or questions you never had, you didn't ask, to see, make sure that you and your heirs or your beneficiaries are protected the way you want under the terms and conditions you desire. Uh, protect yourself if you're disabled or, uh, or, or protect your family. Whatever it is that's on your mind, I will at least go over the options with you. There's no obligation. It's free. So you have the two-hour workshop, which is free, and a vision meeting, which is free. So you get three free hours of legal education with no obligation. And if you don't do anything, that's okay. I want to help to make sure that you at least know what what issues there could be. Uh, if there, everything is fine, I'll tell you everything is fine. And if not, I'm going to tell you what potential problems are and you know, what some solutions might be. So um, it's free, and all you have to do to go to that free Estate Planning Essentials Workshop is to call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, and you'll be with 
bunch of other people, and you'll get to hear the questions that they may ask that you may not have thought about and say, oh, I didn't think about that, and I'd like to protect my family in that way, too. I never thought about that issue because there's so many different things that could occur in life that a lot, you know, most people just don't even think about it. Uh, so uh, that's what you do. Just call that 214-720-0102 number if you would like to attend the free a two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, whether it be about estate planning, public benefits planning, or whatever is on your mind. Great. You'll sign up um, online or just calling that phone number, and it's a click-click via a Zoom conference meeting with Michael during the workshop and with other people, and you really get a lot out of it. Um, getting back to the topic of the program today, um, speaking of Zoom, whether you pursued legal Zoom or whatever else you pursued in order to get this power of attorney online, it's a minefield. And this is what Michael is implying, and this is what I'm saying, that you do. You, It's a little more dangerous doing it this way, is all Michael's trying to infer by telling this story. So um, air beware, um, buyer beware, everyone beware that it's not as efficient or maybe as current as maybe you would like it to be. Michael follows his stuff seven days a week. He's on top of Texas law federal law, and therefore you'd be in the hands of someone who, who is on top of all the legislation, all the laws, to make sure that your estate plan is as ironclad as possible. So, Michael, getting back to the Pennsylvania story, uh, you want to tell you us know, what happened there? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I want to also mention, because you just mentioned some of those different things, mm-hmm. a lot, and we keep on... You know, there's not just one power of attorney. It should be designed or tailored to the individual. All right. And, you know, some of the things that you just mentioned are so true because a lot of times we'll put in different things regarding public benefits, a lot of times with the tax laws Mm. that change and, and of course, continue to change. We anticipate the laws will change this year. It could be things, um, who knows, it could be something, some federal laws change. It could be something with a state legislature that changes Mm -hmm. where at the end of the session right now, you have to always stay on topic because there's all these different factors that have to be determined, and you have to see if it affects you. Uh, and, and so if you just buy a form, it's like an ostrich with your head buried in the sand. It may work, mm-hmm. uh, but it, there's a good chance that you don't even know what you're signing. Well, anyway. You know, the, but before you so, go, I want to make, Mike, my, my I want to make one more point, too, and that is I have watched, I have read, I have heard that new legislation that could come down from the new administration, it could be retroactive. That means, for everyone's knowledge, to be safe and sure, it could kick in for January 1st, 2021, not 22. So anything you've done this year could be unpacked and thrown away uh, if you even tried to plan at the beginning of the year or last year. So if they do it retroactively, all the more reason why you need to already have a relationship with Michael in case he has to make changes to your plan. I mean, is that wrong, Mike? Yeah, I mean, there has been some proposals. On the other hand, there's been proposals the other way as well. So we don't know what's going to happen for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people ended, you know, started doing a lot of planning at the end of last year with the concern that mm-hmm. it would be retroactive this year because, uh, of course, during the presidential election, uh, it was no secret that if we're going to be paying for extra stuff, that there had right. to be additional taxes. And so that... There's lots of different types of taxes, not just the corporate tax. It's the, you know, is it going to be gift tax laws change, estate tax laws change, capital gains tax 
laws change, generation skipping transfer tax laws, et cetera, et cetera. You get the drip. And so if you, you know, a lot of people say, well, how does that affect me? Well, it could. It might not. Right. Uh, but uh, but on the other hand, if let's say you had appreciated property, it could affect you. So right. it gets into a lot of different things. And so your your point was really well taken that things change. And yeah. to think that, that things don't change is it's like saying a, a will from two, year 2000 when the estate tax exemption was, let's say, 600000 right. Now it's 11700000 Do you think that change, things have changed? Of course, it may go back <laughs> to $3.5 but whatever. It doesn't have to be a large estate. It could be, you know, we talked about the homestead thing and the Medicaid uh, issue in Pennsylvania, uh, and it, it could be something with uh, Medicaid and people who have limited resources, and still we want to protect that home. So, for example, in our power of attorney, uh, we would have the ability to create that ladybird deed uh, or to make that transfer of that property if it fit within one of the exceptions. And does a standard power of attorney give that authority? And the answer is no. And so let's kind of go back to the Pennsylvania case. And let's say what happened. What did the court determine? First of all, when the son had the mom deed the property, she lacked mental capacity. So it wasn't good. If somebody signs a document, so they'd gotten a doc, they had testimony of a doctor who said, hey, she signed that. So just because you sign a document doesn't mean that it's not good. It could be overturned either for lack of capacity or undue influence or duress. So in this case, it was it could it was a lack of capacity, but often it's undue influence. Uh, she said, "Oh, if you don't do this, I'm not going to do X or Y or whatever. Uh, I'm taking you into the I'm taking you with me to the uh, attorney to sign this power of attorney, uh, whatever. See or sign this deed in this case." So. It was undone for that reason. Uh, the court probably stretched a little bit because, so now, because the other family was suing, so did he have the authority to sell the property when the power of attorney clearly stated it only became effective upon disability and there was no proof of the disability because there was no doctor's letter? But the court allowed him to sell, uh, saying that he had always been uh, acting as an agent, even though he didn't know what he was doing. And even though he didn't have the authority, because he'd acted that way, uh, then I think that they allowed, I really think, in a way, if the facts were different. Um, you know, in this case, the son who was selling the property, I'm going to hate to say this, was a good child. <laughs> you know, he was taking care of mom for several years so she wouldn't go in the nursing home. He was trying to sell a home to take care of mom, whereas the other son says, I'm going to get this property to my for my benefit so I don't have to move. And I could it's all for me, all you know, and not for my siblings. And she lacked capacity at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think that the court may have determined uh, maybe, I don't know if it was subliminal or not, but they said, you know, this kid, it's a good kid should not lose. I don't know that that's in fact the case, but, um, you know, they gave him the authority, even though he really didn't. Another court, however, could have taken the opposite position and said, no, it was never determined that she lacked capacity. The contract, uh, the, uh, the power of attorney was not followed and therefore, uh, he didn't have the authority, and so another court could have decided in a different way. Yeah. Uh, it really depends on, on who you get. So I guess the moral of the story is, 
you know better know what you're signing before you sign it because it, it, it's a common thing. And most people think that the power of attorney should only spring upon disability. But you mm-hmm. could, uh, but really, it, often, unless it's some other weird circumstances, but generally it should be effective immediately, especially in the pandemic days, although hopefully we're at the end of the pandemic days. Um, you know, maybe more difficult to get that doctor's letter, and not to mention it costs you to get to the, do- the doctor, and not to mention how long it might be a delay before you can act. Uh, you know, you may want to sell property, and they say, well, until you get that doctor's letter, you can't do it, or you have to pay these, you know, whatever it may be, you might not, you might be delayed by having to get that doctor's letter. And if you trust the individual, of course, there's a lot of, if you don't trust the individual, they probably should be named as the agent to begin with. Um, in any event, the moral of this story is there's not just one power of attorney out there in the world. There's lots of extra things that you could have from, from making the ability to make transfers, to be able to make that transfer of the property, to do that ladybird deed, to be able to make gifts, to be able to create trust, to be able to qualify for public benefits, to giving the rights to change the survivorship. Maybe you don't want to do that. These are hot powers that are addition to statutory language that you could have besides having a beneficiary designation. If somebody was ill and was, if they received things that could have been jeopardized public benefits, you know, do you want to give these things? Maybe not. The power to substitute to have somebody else act. If your agent can't act, the agent can appoint somebody if you can no longer act. I mean, there's so many different things besides real property transactions and personal property transactions, stock transactions, commodity transactions, banking and real estate, et cetera, trust, whatever. There are so many different things that can be included, and you just want to make sure that all the different things that are important to you are protected under the way you want things to happen and meeting your goals. Baskin Robbins, that's what Michael says he does. He provides all the options to his potential existing clients and they choose what's the best one for them. And this is the same analogy for the attorneys. Uh, you have probably 32 attorneys to pick from, if not many more. Michael is the right one for you. He's the one you should choose. But to see for yourself, and don't just take my word for it or anybody's word for it, attend his next workshop which is Thursday, May the 27th at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for his next workshop. Dallas Elder Law Attorney Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214 720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 